Hello and welcome. You're listening to KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you caught up on all the biggest stories in the state on your time from a Valley point of view. I'm your host, Taylor Kinnerup, Managing Editor here at KTAR News. Behind the board is editor and producer Kate Orda. We're two Valley natives breaking down Arizona's top stories this week. We also look ahead at what's to come to make sure you know what to keep an eye out on until our next episode. For this week, the week of Monday, April 24th, we're breaking down the latest update in the Valley when it comes to those experiencing homelessness, the Suns' advancement to the Western Conference semifinals. But first, this week, we're starting out with the Tamale Bill. During last week's episode, we told you about Governor Hobbs' record number of vetoes this legislative session. Among the most controversial bill vetoes was one you might not expect, a bill about tamales. Well... At least, that's how it's been fondly referred to as, the tamale bill. This week, protesters descended on the Capitol to sell tamales in protest of the governor's veto and in support of the veto override, which ultimately failed. We'll get into the details of that later, but first, House Bill 2509 is a lot more involved than it's been boiled down to. So let me give you a slightly longer, yet still brief, overview. The bill really speaks to the powers of the Arizona Department of Health Services and its director. ADHS is tasked with minimizing the spread of disease in the community, and that includes foodborne illness. The bill aimed to underscore that ADHS sets the standard for cleanliness, permitting, and health requirements for things like restaurants, food trucks, hot dog carts, and other vehicles for making or selling food. However, the bill outlined exceptions for things like culinary schools, potlucks, and you guessed it, selling food for non-commercial purposes, like by word of mouth. Now, if you're not familiar with something like this, You clearly just don't know the right people. KTAR's Mike Broomhead spoke a little bit about his experience with buying word of mouth. I worked in my previous profession as an electrician. I worked on a job site with a man named Tony, great electrician. Both him and his wife were from Mexico. And once a week or so, he would say, hey, my wife is going to make tortillas. And he would take orders from everybody on the job site. And it was a win for everyone because I was not a very good cook and his wife was an amazing cook. And it made them a little extra money and we were able to eat delicious food. And it seemed like a win-win. And if you're like me or Kate and you grew up in the Valley, or really any part of the Southwest, you know nothing quite says holiday cheer like homemade tamales. In my family, it's our secret recipe that only comes out around Christmas. But for others, it's a family staple that your tias or abuelitas crank out regularly. And while they make great gifts, for many tamale makers, tamales also mean an influx of cash. But back to the bill. It would have effectively removed the biggest barriers these individuals who sell goods like tortillas and tamales face. Democrat State Representative Alma Hernandez joined the Mike Broomhead show to explain some of these current barriers. If prosecuted is up to 30 days in jail over selling things like tortillas, salsas, and if you go to the Department of Health website, it lists there all of the items that cannot be sold. Essentially, everything from my community and my culture cannot be sold. Which is why she and other Democrats joined state Republicans this week to push for a veto override, meaning they were all hoping to vote to reverse Governor Hobbs's original veto. This was a tall order considering a veto override in the state hasn't passed since 1981, roughly 42 years. The final tally in the legislature was 35 to 23, falling just five votes short of the required two-thirds support needed for the overturn. And remember, while this vote was happening, people were out on the Capitol lawn selling their goods. KTAR's Colton Krolak was at the protest and spoke with Ken Holgate. He owns a small business called Simple Homemade Harvest, where he sells salsas and pickles grown right in his own garden. He explains that without this bill, he'll have a lot more work and a lot less profit. 
I had to search out to find a certified kitchen and that has hours and everything else that I can get to and that be available to. So I had to go there and I had to store my ingredients there. I had to prepare there and I don't know who's going to get into my stuff. But it doesn't just mean less money for vendors. Colton also reported this week that the bill would have generated about $55 million in annual food sales in the state, according to Glenn Farley, with the independent research firm Common Sense Institute Arizona. He explains that legislation like the Tamale Bill has become a recent trend. Many states have enacted similar legislation, particularly since 2020 in the pandemic. There was a sort of surge in demand for this kind of thing as an alternative place for people to source foodstuffs, and states followed suit. And while it's easy to put a face to those who are in favor of the bill, there are still many people who side with Governor Hobbs's choice to veto the bill for safety concerns. Her initial letter explaining the veto stated the bill could, quote, significantly increase the risk of foodborne illness. She went on to say that there aren't strong enough ways to ensure that these homes where these goods are being prepared are clean and safe enough. But regardless about how you feel about the issue, it appears to be put to bed for now. The home-cooked foods bill seems to be cooked for this legislative session. So regardless of where you stand on this bill, to quote the person that now appears to be KTAR's resident tamale beat reporter Colton Krolak, tough tamales. Another topic that seems to be top of mind these days in Arizona is homelessness. This week is no different, as KTAR learned multiple disheartening new statistics, as well as the beginnings of plans to clear out the downtown encampment of those facing homelessness, known as The Zone. So let's start there, with The Zone. Late last week, the city of Phoenix announced its initial plans to begin cleaning up the zone ahead of its July 10th cleanup target, according to recent lawsuits. If you're lost following any part of that sentence, I recommend checking out previous episodes of this podcast to beef up on some of those big highlights. Producer Kate first reported on this update, explaining that the city plans to add 800 shelter beds by the end of the year, enhance street cleaning up around the zone, and expand resources for storage and pet care for those experiencing homelessness and may struggle getting into shelters because of their things and pets. Director of the city's Office of Homeless Solutions, Rachel Milney, says the city is looking at every option, including expanding existing programs. We are going to continue to go block by block in the area around the Human Services Campus. We're accelerating those plans. And as we move people and offer them shelter, they will not be able to go back to those areas to camp. The city also plans to work with other agencies and nonprofits like Central Arizona Shelter Services, otherwise known as CAS. CEO of CAS, Lisa Glow, spoke with KTAR this week about the city's plan. She says while both of CAS's shelters are full, there are other places that offer beds to the homeless. The Y downtown has some youth beds, for example. The Salvation Army typically has some beds. There are behavioral health agencies that have beds. She also explained that the number of transient deaths in Maricopa County are staggeringly high. About 90 in January, about 90 in February, and those numbers always go up in the summer when we have the summer heat. Before I move on to the next point, I want to hold space for that. Roughly 90 people without shelter are dying a month in our county. While there can be a myriad of causes, the biggest factor to those causes is that they are without a home. This stat came just one day before the Maricopa County Association of Governments shared its findings from its annual point-in-time homeless count. We've talked about the count before on this podcast. The organization takes a day to try to account for everyone living without a home in the county and compares it to previous years. According to this year's count, homelessness rose by 7% since 2022, with more than 9,600 people experiencing homelessness in Maricopa County. Nearly 5,000 of those people are living on the streets and more than 4,700 in shelters. 
And while the number of people living on the streets dropped by 2%, the number of those living in shelters increased by 18%. Katie Gentry with MAG talked about this with KTAR. As we've continued to see more people experiencing homelessness, we're not able to open shelters fast enough to be able to bring more folks inside. Which is why it's so essential that the city of Phoenix is looking to add hundreds of beds this year to address the zone cleanup. However, estimates show roughly 1,000 people live in the zone, meaning there won't be enough beds for everyone who's cleared out. And while I know the problem seems insurmountable, I often try to think of Mr. Rogers at times like this. Just go with me. He used to say, look for the helpers in difficult times. To me, while there is still a lot of work to do, there are also so many helpers in cities, nonprofits, at the county and state level who are all just looking to tackle this problem. And finally, do you hear that? <sighs> That's the sound of Suns fans finally taking a sigh of relief before holding their breath all over again. That's right, Suns in five. After a rocky start at home, the Phoenix Suns took down the L.A. Clippers with four consecutive wins, including two on the road. Like I mentioned last week on the podcast, it was a brutal start for the Suns, giving flashbacks to recent playoff blunders. But on Tuesday night in Game 5, Devin Booker went off. Booker capped his amazing series with 47 points, 25 in the third quarter alone. We didn't want to go back to L.A. unless it's for the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, just want to get it done. And fans loved it. I mean, here's what one told our KTAR Suns guy, Luke Forstner. Booker, he is him. And no one says it better than my bestie and Suns insider, Kellen Olson. For the third time in five games, Devin Booker looked around, just didn't see enough getting done, and he was like, all right. I'll do it. I'll just be the best player in the world right now. I mean, the stats speak for themselves, eh, Kels? 35 points per game, 60% field goal percentage or higher, over a five-game span in the same postseason. He's the only guard to ever do it. Not to mention, Booker knocked Valley favorite and Suns OG Charles Barkley off a franchise pedestal. Booker now has six 40-point playoff games under his belt, surpassing Barkley's five, something Chuck, Shaq, and the crew sure got a kick out of in the postgame. With his 47 points tonight, Devin Booker passes Charles Barkley what? for the uh, most 40 points uh, in season history. Thank yes. you, you yes. passed the bump. Hey, hey. Passed the bump, Devin. Congratulations, man. Yeah, well deserved. The bump. Thank you, yes. Devin. I, I don't want to hear, hear his name no more in Phoenix. Coco <laughs> 5, Coco 35. <laughs> I got it. Thank you, Book. We appreciate All you, right, man. Uh, I mean, the team and fans are riding a high like you wouldn't believe, but that could all change on Saturday. The Suns take on the Denver Nuggets in the Mile High City. And yeah, the Suns are stacked with Book, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul, but look at the Nuggets. They've got Michael Porter Jr., MPJ and I are both Mizzou Tigers, so I'll give them a little M.I.Z. love, Jamal Murray, and Nikola, the Joker Jokic. The big man is definitely going to be competition for hometown favorite DeAndre Ayton, who hasn't seemed to go into playoff mode just yet the way he has in the past. But maybe, maybe, Denver will light a fire under Ayton, because arguably his best playoff performance has been against the Joker, which also happened to be in 2021 when the Suns swept the Nuggets, leading to the infamous Suns and Four guy. But that's a story for a different podcast. The suspense is tangible. The pressure near insurmountable. But you know, Valley boys and girls like Kate and I are going to be cheering on our boys all weekend long.
So that's it. You're all caught up for this week, the week of Monday, April 24th. But what's ahead? Here are a few things to keep an eye out on until we meet again. Go As I said, Game 1 for the Suns vs. Nuggets is this Saturday. You can text Valley to 411923 to get the very latest on start times and the team. Griner rumble into the rim! Hometown hero and Mercury star Brittany Griner is hosting her first media availability since being released from Russia late last year. We've talked about this before on the podcast, so feel free to go check out that episode for that breakdown. St. Vincent de Paul is set to break ground on a new 100-bed facility for those who are experiencing homelessness next week. Excellent! Excellent! And the revitalization and pre-demolition of Metro Center Mall is scheduled for next Friday. It's a blast from the past for Valley residents and movie lovers, since the mall was the backdrop for the 1989 cult classic Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure before its closing in 2020. Remember, you can read more on all the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go, just download the KTAR app for articles, podcasts, and of course, breaking news. A big thanks for listening from your very own Valley Girls, Taylor and Kate. This is KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.